0: I do not have one single text here this morning. If you would like to turn to something, you could turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. But I thought that this occasion uh, means it is a good opportunity for us to consider the theme of Thanksgiving. And its underrated importance in the life. Uh, of the church and really in our personal life. So that's what we're going to be uh, looking uh, at this morning. I'm going to look at a select number of scriptures which speak to this issue uh, personally for ourselves and personally uh, for the church as a whole. Why is Thanksgiving uh, important? And I want to start with a couple of negative scriptures. Okay, That's where Ephesians 5 uh, comes in. But the first one I'd like to read is Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. It says this, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Not a kind of verse that you're going to see on a, uh, a coffee cup, right? You're not going to get that on it. Um, and, and and Peter in Acts chapter 2 says that we are living in the last days. So we're talking about now. Ever since the uh, ascension of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit that sets up the, the last days. Self-centered people, people will be self-centered, not caring for others, treating other people poorly, abusive, uh, and there will be ungrateful. The opposite of thankfulness is ungratefulness. The opposite of gratitude is ingratitude or ungratefulness. And I'm sure I'm going to mix those up at some point this morning, right? But Paul is uh, writing to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5. He goes into even more detail on this theme and encouraging the people, to live a life, a life worthy of the calling to which they have been called to in Christ. He says in Ephesians 5 verses 3 to 4, really shocking verses when you sit and think about them deeply. It says this, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. But instead let there be thanksgiving. So he says, all sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness must not be named among you. And then he says, sorry, verse 4, I missed that. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Do we get that? we see that connection? Verse 3 and 4 there. These things are not to be part of the lives of saints, the holy ones, the set-apart ones, the Christian, but instead let there be thanksgiving. A contrast, a straight contrast. And so we see a connection in 2 Timothy 3 and Ephesians 5 between sin and a lack of thankfulness. Where there is no thanksgiving, where there is a lack of thankfulness, there's going to be sin. That's an amazing connection when you think about it. And perhaps one of the key scriptures that illustrates this all is Romans chapter 1. Remember the bit from verse 18, it says the wrath of God is being poured out from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man against all those who rebel against him. It says the wrath of God is not just things like hell. It can also just be people rejecting God and being left in their rebellion against him. Verses 21-23 to 23 of Romans chapter 1 says this, In our rebellion against God, thankfulness falls by the wayside and it's replaced with ingratitude. It says there in Romans 1, not honoring Him as God or giving thanks. And this leads to a certain futility of thinking. And the reason we can understand this, and the, the, the connections all coming together here, one of the ways we can think of this is to understand that at the root of ingratitude is a desire to make ourselves look great. All right? Ingratitude is about making ourselves look great. Why does the human mind And the human heart, which is in rebellion to God, sees to honor Him as God and as the Creator and give thanks to Him as the giver of gifts. Why does that mind, why is it so against giving thanks? The reason is because it detracts from our own glory. Such a mind says, if I give thanks to God and I honor Him as God, I can't honor myself. You know that scripture, no man can serve two masters? Well, you can't serve yourself and God. It does not work. You've got to pick one or the other. And this leads to a certain kind of, of foolishness, of futility in thinking. Someone who's in love with themselves and... and sings their own praises, is not grateful to God, and therefore fails to remember that they are being kept alive by God. Have you thought of that? I am breathing God's air. Richard Dawkins is drinking God's water, thinking foolish thoughts with a brain created by God. The height of futility, and it's not just great new atheists, it's, it can be you and me. The average person on the street, the average human being is in rebellion with God. It takes the supreme act of God himself and a humbling of us to, to bring us into a kingdom and have our minds renewed by Word of God, and that's partly what Romans 12 is saying. When having our minds renewed by the Word, it's learning to give thanks. It is for this reason Paul says things like First uh, Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. He says, "What do you have that you did not receive?" And then he says, "If you then received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it?" What do you have that you did not receive from God? Ingratitude and discontentment are tied to being dissatisfied with God's providence to us or simply ignoring it altogether and forgetting that everything good that we have has come from His hand. The focus becomes on ourselves and on our circumstances, and it ignores God, because God is for His glory, not our glory. And as a result, our minds rationalize all of this foolishness, and our our hearts simply chase after whichever makes us look good and feel good, seeking simply to please ourselves. That is the futility of a thankless heart. And as a result, Paul shows in Ephesians 5, sexual immorality, abuse, arrogance, pride, all follow. And even the misuse of good things, good things, can be turned into sin. One commentator says, to live happily the evils of sin, False ambition and self-love must be plucked from our hearts by the roots. By the roots. And in place of all these ungrateful roots and prideful roots within ourselves, Paul says instead, clearly, Instead, let there be thanksgiving. Now you're sitting here and going, "This has not been a happy message so far." Where are you getting to the the, 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 good part about Thanksgiving? It's coming. There are so many places in Scripture which which command and encourage thankfulness and gratitude. Right? Where does this kind of idea of offering thanks? Where do these commands to give thanks and have a grateful heart? Where do they come from? I believe with scripture as my witness, that because thanksgiving is ultimately God-centered and other-centered, not self-centered, it comes back to the first commandment. You know the first commandment? You shall have no other gods but me. One God, the one true God. In question 104 of the Westminster Larger Catechism, which is really just a a wonderful document, the question is, what are the duties required in keeping the first commandment? And it says this, and I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, The duties required in the first commandment are the knowing and acknowledging of God to be the only true God, and our God, And to worship and glorify him accordingly by thinking, meditating, remembering, highly esteeming, honoring, adoring, choosing, loving, desiring, fearing uh, of him, believing him, trusting, hoping, delighting, rejoicing in him, being zealous for him, calling upon him, giving all praise and thanks and yielding all obedience and submission to him with the whole man, being careful in all things to please him, and sorrowful when in anything he is offended, and walking humbly with him. Okay? And then there's like a list of scripture proofs for that, that like goes, means all the paper of all the world's rainforests to to kind of write down. Okay? But that's what it means to keep the first commandment. And part of that is give God all praise and thanks that he deserves. Acknowledge God as the one true God is to treat him rightly, to think of him rightly, and give him all the praise and thanks that he is worthy of. That's what it means to keep the first commandment. And worship and, and worshipers give honor to the rightful one, who deserves it. Not ourselves, not something created, but the creator of all things. So, for an application of this, for why this is good for us, why is this so good? Why is Thanksgiving so good for the individual Christian in their lives? Here's why Thanksgiving is good for for you and for me. First reason is, it keeps us from sin. We've seen that connection repeatedly. I don't know if I can call him a friend yet, but I'm going to say Joe Thorne says, if we see all good things as gifts from God and receive them with gratitude and enjoy them in faith, we will not abuse or misuse them. Thankfulness will lead us to enjoy the gift fully without turning it into an idol, or our pleasure into our highest virtue. And what Joe's saying is, if we're thankful for something, we won't misuse it. That's a great thing. And actually, if we're thankful to God for something, we're not going to misuse it and use it for sinful purposes. It's when we start taking that thing and just use it for our own good and all about ourselves, then we're going to misuse it. And so thankfulness keeps us from sexual immorality and abuse and self centeredness, and it keeps us also from abusing good things. What a wonderful truth. Thanksgiving keeps us from sin. And secondly, it gives love and glory to God. I keep keeping that first commandment. It gives love and glory to God. And I want to just briefly touch on one objection, right? What if something bad has happened? What if someone really hurts you? People in this church have had bad, very bad things happen to them. Are we supposed to then say, i just be thankful immediately? No. Thanksgiving is not just the only emotion that we can possibly have. There's a place for grief. For grief, there's place for lament, and there's place for righteous anger. It's something God is angry at, and we should be angry at them too. But in all things seeking contentment, we can have thankfulness in our hearts to God for his help, for his protection, and for the even for the very fact that he is completely unlike whoever's done the horrible thing to us we get that? But don't, I don't want you to feel pressure to me and say, oh, thank you for my abuser. Or, thank you for this terrible, awful thing that happened immediately. Does not, there's a nuance to this. This is what I'm saying. There's nuance to it. So Thanksgiving keeps us from sin and gives love and And glory to God. Good for us in our individual lives. How does cultivating this attitude of gratitude... Attitude of gratitude. You you knew it was coming. My wife's going to cringe. This attitude of gratitude, how does cultivating this affect the life and mission of the local church? Or simply, the local church is called to make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded them. One of the things that Jesus commanded us to do is to love God, and therefore it means to give thanks to Him. That's where that that, that fits in. It's part of the very uh, foundation, I would say, of discipleship. That we come in to... The people of God and we need to learn how to love God. And one of the ways we do this is by giving thanks. Who's here in the okay, I'm it's bad. Who here has heard a sermon on Thanksgiving recently? Like one guy who listens to podcasts a lot. Yeah. It's just it's just not common, but it should be. That's partly my fault. Colossians one twelve to fourteen gives us some reasons, three reasons to give for the church to, to give thanks to God. It says we are a people who've had these things happen to us. It says, should Paul's word, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Three reasons in there. It tells these people right at the beginning of the lesson, the letter to the Colossian church. Be thankful. God has saved you from yourself saved you from Satan and sin, and he has transferred you to the kingdom of his Son. He has forgiven your sin through Christ's death on the cross. Give thanks. Give thanks. And so in the the mission of this church, we have a brief mission statement that I need to mention over and over. It is to know Jesus Christ and make him known very simple, to know Jesus Christ and make Him known. And that in knowing Christ more and growing in maturity and coming to to faith in Him and being sanctified, we will grow, Lord willing, in thankfulness. And by our thankfulness and by our gratitude, we will make Christ known. It is fuel for evangelism. It is a powerful apologetic. A thankful Christian is a powerful apologetic that God has done something wonderful in their life. Give me a reason for the hope that is found within you. And really, as as part of the mission of the church, it is part of our great purpose I was so struck by this, um, 2 Corinthians 4.15, and I, I realized it really influences uh, John Piper's preaching a lot. 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, For it is all for your sake, Paul says, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God that the grace of the gospel goes out into the world, thanksgiving spreads with it. Because thanksgiving is the appropriate response of the work of Jesus Christ. And so part of the, the mission of the church is to not just make disciples and save lost people, it's to take those disciples and teach them to be thankful and teach them the benefits they've had so that they can be thankful people and thankful people worship God. And that is a totally appropriate response. Is it not? That God who is all good, if he is the highest good in the universe, he is the only person worthy of worship, therefore people should give thanks to him. And so we don't need to think lowly of the fact that when someone becomes a Christian, they've gone from someone who hates God and rebels against him, and they've gone to someone who thanks God, and God is glorified in that. you share the gospel with your friends, your family, someone, some stranger, you share about Christ, and someone says, why do you do that? You could say, because I want God to be thanked for what He has done. That's an appropriate response. Thankful people demonstrate the excellencies of Christ and wish to see Jesus' name be lifted up. And to not be thankful is therefore to be out of step with the mission of the church, to be out of step with Christianity, to be out of step with our own personal faith lives with God. To be unthankful is a bad thing. This is a personal story. This has been very practical for me as we have moved into this new building. My brain is functioning on 20% uh, energy right now. And it, it, it's not going well, but you're making sense, I hope. Back in November, I told the other elders that based on our landlord's plan across the street to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, I know the, the figure, on turning that whole building over there, that entire building with multiple companies across the street. The plan is to turn it into high quality corporate offices. I told them that based on this plan, we would be forced out of that building in the middle of 2019. Okay? So I'm telling them this in November uh, 2017. And so we would be looking for a new building by the middle of next year. Okay? One year from now, we'd be needing a new building. And I'm going to be completely honest that I don't think, maybe there are some secret prayer warriors here, I don't think any of us that knew this information put much thought or any prayer at all into this matter. And that was in November. November. And a month later, I got a phone call from our landlord three days before Christmas and got prepared to do a bunch of work just as I was ready to check out. And he says, I've got a plan for you. If you want to take over this building. And here we are. And this is just a building. But at the end of the day, voting can really make or break church plants and small churches. I talk to lots of pastors, I talk to lots of elders, I talk to some around the world, and they all agree with this. And you can simply say, and there have been people that have said this, and I agree with it, that we can say the church is about the people, not the building. We've heard that, right? Church is about the people, not the building, And I I agree. But the people are called to gather together to worship and hear the word, and they need a place. And the weather in Palmerston North is not good for meeting outside. And so often in these conversations, people tell me, other pastors tell me, that the weekly set-up and pack-down of a church is an enormous strain on the people. And so I am incredibly thankful, and we should be incredibly thankful, for that old building across uh, the road that we had. My son calls it white church, this is black church, um, And, and, and we were in that boating for just over two and a half years. I've been here for two and a half years and moved in right before I started here as pastor. Because that boating spared us from the grind and the drain of setting up sound and, and music and projection and chairs every single week. Luke's nodding his head. Absolutely. And I, and I say this with utmost truth and I wonder whether we would have survived as a church with me as pastor if we had been in the YMCA still over on Park Road instead of that building. Because I think it would have got more and more and more tiring each week getting in Early in the morning to set up. And so, therefore, this boat, that building, was a blessing from God. And this boat, this boating is a huge blessing from God. It's bigger, it's far more visible, it's more fit for purpose. We've got greater potential to sublease it. It has the potential for us to actually stay for a number of years. The fact that it's better is just a bit extra benefit. We have a contract into 2020 and we're likely going to be able to extend that if we want, so we can stay here for a while. And yet, it has taken, oh my goodness, an enormous amount of work. An enormous amount of organizing, negotiating, fixing, painting. Crews essentially painted the whole outside uh, of this building and much of the inside uh, with me and 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 thank you to to you and and thanks to everyone else that's helped. And I'm thankful for this voting. Here's the but. In my thankfulness, my wife has seen this so clearly. I've been so, so frustrated. And so, so ungrateful at various moments. There's been so many hurdles and they've caused me to completely lack gratitude. Why this ungratefulness? Because when I do that, when I'm ungrateful, I function as if the world revolves around me. And I forget how gracious God has been. And that's pride. That's ungratefulness that I need to repent of. This is Christ's church, Christ's people that he died for, not me. This is a building that is for the worship of Christ and the aid of his mission. How dare I grumble? How dare I? Paul says, in a Philippians 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, the gospel, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. That is a bucketload of conviction over my head. How do we apply this? A couple questions for application. And I'll put these up uh, maybe on Facebook. Ask yourself, what has God done for me? Ask yourself that question. What has God done for me? Joe Rigney says, Gratitude is the proper response to an abundance of gifts. Gratitude is the posture of the soul that most readily increases receptivity. Gratitude demands humility. Since only those who acknowledge their dependence, their need, and their delight in the goodness and kindness of another can be grateful. Give thanks always and for everything and be specific. Paul says in Second Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Do you realize that we're called to give thanks for an inexpressible gift? Think about that. God gives us Himself. Secondly, ask yourself, Does gratitude characterize your thoughts about God? I found this quote so convicting. Joe Thorne once again. He says this, Thankfulness is a good test of your faith. Its absence demonstrates that your faith is more lip service than experiential knowledge. Your days, whether easy or difficult, should be filled with thanksgiving because while life changes drastically, your God remains the same forever. He is constant constantly good, loving, and faithful. Therefore, our thoughts about him should be characterized by thankfulness. Thirdly, ask yourself, use your thankful heart and ask yourself, how can I help my brother or sister love Jesus more? Because thankfulness points away from ourselves, we use that to seek the good of others. Some of the ways you can help someone love Jesus more. You can lead them to the cross. You can remind them of God's blessings to them. You can use your thankful heart to pray for someone. You can graciously point them away from sin. You can encourage them. This is such a good thing to do. Point out to people how you see the Holy Spirit and Jesus working in their lives and growing them and maturing them. It's a great thing to do. And you can seek their good in some ways, practically. I'm grateful this week. There's been a, a wonderful... I'm not going to go into all the details. it has been a wonderful uh, outpourings towards me from many people in the church family, a number of various gifts coming my way. I'm, I'm thankful, truly thankful. Uh, And this shows and tells me that these things are working, not ultimately about me because I'm just a man, but thankfulness to God. Thankfulness to God. And lastly, if we identify grumbling and lack of gratitude and pride in our lives, repent. Cast them on Jesus' cross realize that when your lack of gratitude is seen in your lives as lack of thanksgiving, realize that it is idolatry because you're worshiping something else or yourself and not the true God. And He sends, as a result of sin, He sends His Son to die in the place of sinners, to reconcile us to Him, that all those who turn from their sins and trust in Him can be forgiven of their sin. Jesus lived a perfectly thankful life. Jesus' entire life was characterized by just the right amount of godly gratitude. And when we repent of sin, when we repent of our sin against God and we trust in Jesus Christ, in the mystery of the gospel, God treats us Justice at Peccator, that we are like Christ, simultaneously righteous as Christ was, that we live Christ perfectly grateful, thankful life, even though we are yet sinners, and Christ died and punished for our lack of gratitude in our place. this amazing wonder of the gospel, and so our proper response to that is to then be thankful. And walk in that thankfulness, seeking to love God and love neighbor as ourselves. Let's pray.